Today, today's scripture reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, 1-14. Here is the word of the Lord. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in our behalf, on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glory and might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Amen. Okay. All right, the title of today's sermon is Standing in the Need of Prayer. And a number of years ago, there was a movie that came out called War Room. And it was popular among Christians. Does anybody remember that? I see a few nods, a few hands raised. It came out in August 2015. And I don't know how popular it was here in theaters in Japan among you know, the Japanese-speaking people. It was showing here. But in the United States, it was one of the highest-grossing Christian films back then. And towards the end of my sermon, I'll show a brief clip from that movie, The War Room. Some of you remember Robin Shaw. Do you remember her? Um, her husband was the moderator, Brian Shaw. They were an African-American family. They attended this church, lived on Oak Island. See a few people nodding their heads as it comes back to them. They had two really cute children who were often acolytes. And then when they went back to the States, they had another cute little girl. 
So anyway, they've stayed connected with our church off and on through the friends they've made here, which is a wonderful thing about our church. You know, our connections extend worldwide. But back then, um, Robin Shaw, her husband was the moderator, but she was the head of our women's ministry. And there used to be a study group on Roko Island called the Oasis Women's Bible Study. Oasis or Oasis. Some of you nodding heads, remembering. Yes, this is way back, pre-COVID. You know, we have to look back at a time that was uh, some time ago for many of us. And so she decided that she would study in Oasis, um, or Oasis, depending if you're saying in Japanese or English, she would study war room because there was a study guide available that you can get from Amazon online. And so they watched the film, and many of them were touched by the prayer life of the elderly woman in the film, and her name was Miss Clara. And so I'll just share a little bit of the story in case you haven't seen it, because you might want to go on to YouTube and watch it later. But anyway, in the film, Miss Clara had a really special relationship with God, and she had a room in her home, actually it was a closet, that she called her War Room. And I thought, what a strange name. But she called it her War Room because she was doing spiritual battle by praying in that room for people that she knew, people she didn't know, and also for problems going on in the world. So she went into this small room and she felt the need. She'd take her Bible and she would just pray and she would use post-it notes all around the room to list the prayer concerns and names of people she was praying for. And she says that she made this room because, this is her words, in order to stand up to the enemy, you need to get on your knees and pray. So this is a woman who just does not stop praying. In this movie, the story is about her praying for this particular family who seemed to have it all. They were rather wealthy, they had a, looked like they had a good marriage, they looked like they were very happy, the wife and husband both had really good jobs, they had a cute little daughter, but things were not as they always seem. And looking at them from the outside, this is what you saw. But from the inside, the family was broken. The parents were broken people. And so Miss Clara befriends the wife, and she does what she does best, which is to pray. And she doesn't stop praying for the family for the, during this whole film. So we all need someone who prays for us. And I hope that you have someone who has not stopped praying for you. And I pray that we will not stop praying for one another. We pray as a church community, and we also pray as individuals. And I also pray that we will not stop praying for our world, particularly with the recent violence that has gone on. When we pray, we also pray with the assurance that all of our prayers are heard by God. We also know that prayer changes things. Prayer should be a priority in our lives. 
Reverend Daniel Kirk at St. Michael's Church in the UK said these words, that if you want to discover a person's real life priorities, there are two questions to ask. What do you spend most of your money on? And what do you most often pray for yourself and others? Good questions. What do you most often pray for yourself and for others? Looking at Apostle Paul, we may not know what his spending habits were back then, but we do know his praying habits through all the letters that he wrote to churches at the time. Prayer for him was a priority. He prayed for the people, he prayed for the churches. We can safely say that Paul was a man of prayer. He prays for the Colossians in verse 9. He says, we have not stopped praying for you. And that's where I got my sermon title for today. We have not stopped praying for you. So in today's reading, Paul begins his prayer with gratitude to God. And he's talking about his disciple, Epaphras, who was one of Paul's you know, converts, his disciples. And he's the one who actually brought the gospel to the Colossian church. And you can say that Epaphras is their, the Colossians, their spiritual father and their shepherd because he's been helping these people, praying for these people, and teaching these people. Paul describes him in scripture as a dear servant who is a faithful minister of Christ. Paul writes in verses six to eight, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Paul knows that Epaphras, as I mentioned, has taught them quite well. And Paul seems to be really glad about it. And Paul loves and respects Epaphras. As you can see by the words that he says, a fellow servant, a faithful minister, servant of Jesus Christ. This is all found in Colossians 1 and also Colossians chapter 4. In earlier days, Epaphras had apparently been imprisoned while in Rome visiting Paul. So they were companions in prison as well. So I think if people are in prison together, they become prison buddies and they get rather close. And you'll recall that he was under house arrest or in prison when he wrote, when Paul wrote many of his letters. Paul says in Philemon chapter 1, Epaphras, this is another time Epaphras is mentioned, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. In Colossians 4, Paul told the Colossians about how Epaphras truly cared for their spiritual growth. Epaphras had committed to praying for the Colossians always, this is a quote from scripture, always wrestling in prayer for them. Paul and Epaphras wanted the Galatian Christians to stand firm in their prayer life and to stand firm in their convictions and to stand firm in their faith. Paul gave testimony that Epaphras was working hard for the church in Colossae, just as he was for the believers elsewhere. If you look at Colossians chapter four, verse 13, it says this, I vouch for him and he is working hard for you 
and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. So aside from the letter to Colossians, Epaphras' name shows up in Paul's personal letter in Philemon. As I said earlier, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. This is found in Philemon. Epaphras may not be so well known to us. It's maybe not a name that you know as well as the other disciples, but he certainly was important to Paul. And the book of Galatians, which is also called the Epistle to the Galatians, is rather short. It's only four chapters. I suggest you read it, but it has really a lot to say. Last week, Pastor Akiko preached from Colossians. And if you haven't read her sermon or listened to it, you can go online to do so. Watch it through Vimeo or Facebook or pick up a manuscript in the church void. So is it a coincidence I also chose Colossians for this week? A God incident? Well, maybe not because we've also been studying it in WOW! Women on Wednesday. We just finished. But each week, we would take a chapter. As I said, there's only four, and we did four weeks of Colossians. We just finished this past week. Another reason I chose this passage for today is that Pastor Akiko and I individually will pray about what we preach on, and we were led through the Holy Spirit to preach on the verses she chose last week and the verse I chose for today. And so we value prayer in preparation for our sermons. Going back to Paul, well, he knows the value of prayer. And he's indeed the one who says in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not quench the spirit. You can find this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 to 19, a passage well known to many of you. So I agree, let's not quench the spirit when we pray. Do not stop praying and do not stop the spirit. If you stop praying, you run the risk of stopping the spirit. So don't stop praying. Give thanks to God, pray no matter what happens and allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life and in this church and community. Back in those days, Rome's subjects were worshiping the Roman Empire and the, Ro um, and the Roman Emperor. But Paul was very firm in saying that his only allegiance was to Christ and not to Caesar. Paul and the Christians worshiped Jesus and no other gods. Like um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a theologian during the time of Nazi Germany, who wrote a book, The Cost of Discipleship, Paul also knew how costly it was to believe in Jesus Christ at the time. It might cost your life. It was countercultural, especially because the Colossians were rejecting the other gods and they were worshiping Jesus. They were very much against the dominant culture of that time. So this letter to the Colossians challenges us when we think about it today, what is the cost for us as Christians? What is the cost for us nowadays? We know that Jesus is Lord, and we are not only to pray, 
but we're also to dedicate our whole lives to Jesus Christ, no matter, no matter what the cost is. Paul gives thanks for successful evangelism, and he prays for the spiritual growth of the church in Colossae, and he prays for their deepening discipleship. So he's talking about evangelism and discipleship. This is something you've heard before at Kobe Union Church, evangelism and discipleship. Both are important. They go hand in hand, evangelism and discipleship. We have a ministry called Evangelism Discipleship, which Roy Mislang, raise your hand up here, is now leading. And Takoyo Kawabe had led before. We're very grateful for your service. Pre-COVID, she had led the group, but now it is Roy. And if you have any evangelism and discipleship ideas, talk to Roy. He would be happy to hear them from you. Is that right? Yes? Amen? <laughs> we pray for all of our ministries at KUC. And, as scripture says, they'll be bearing fruit in every good work. So let us bear fruit in our ministries here at Kobe Union Church. On Wednesdays, we have a midweek worship, which is a time of singing or devotion, a time also of prayer. And this past week, we did a slow meditative reading of Colossians. And we did this reading, which is known as Lectio Divina, means divine reading, and it was led this past week by Pastor Akiko. Lectio Divina is actually a Latin word, divine reading. So you're reading the scripture a couple of times through very slowly, and you're letting the Holy Spirit speak to you by pulling out words in that scripture. The phrase that spoke to me when I was reading was the love that they had for all God's people. That's in verse 4. Love and for all God's people. Love for all God's people. And that kept coming back to me in my prayer meditation. Love for all God's people. And this is what the Galatians were doing as well. The faith of the Galatian Christians had produced love for all people, which they could do through the Holy Spirit. You learn about that in verse 8. So I hope you have your scripture or Bibles handy so you can be looking at Galatians as I preach. But this is how we love one another, through praying and also through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which will show us how to love one another. There are many, many verses in the Bible about loving one another. John 15, 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Luke 6, 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. And there are others, many more. Going back to the times when Galatians was written, Christianity was viewed as strange and a very odd religion because they didn't worship the Roman gods. And they were strange because they were showing love for one another. And they also shared things among each other, and they gave to the poor. They showed their love for their fellow human beings. And they didn't just show their love for Christians, but they also showed it to the pagans, the others that were living back then. Larry Hutado, an American New Testament scholar and a historian of early Christianity, explains how Christianity was viewed by pagans in ancient Rome. These are his words. 
In the eyes of many of that time, early Christianity was odd, bizarre, and in some ways even dangerous. For one thing, it did not fit with what religion was for people then. Indicated of this, Roman-era critics designated it as a perverse superstition. Reverend Dan Kirk said, one of the Roman emperors complained that the Christians not only loved and helped their poor, but also the pagan poor in a way other pagans didn't. So Christians were helping one another, loving each other, loving those outside of just their immediate community. It spread to everyone. And that was unusual at the time to love others who were not just in the same group. But Christians were like a family. They were kin, kin to one another. Their kindness and love extended to others. And Christian networks crossed family and ethnic and cultural boundaries. They did good. Bible, um, the, Paul says in the Bible, do good to all, especially, not only, to the household of faith. You can find that in Galatians 6. Early Christian benevolence extended further out. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.15, do not return evil for evil, but always pursue the good to one another and to all. So the love and compassion of early Christians was radical. The love and compassion of early Christians was costly. And the love and compassion of early Christians also impacted their society deeply. And the love and compassion of Christians back then changed society, just as we are changing society today. Love for those who are different from us, be they Christian or not, is so counter to human nature that it does point to being from the Holy Spirit. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to love others, and it can really only be done by prayer. We do not often love those who think differently from us, even though in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 5, we learn that Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those to persecute you, but that's not something all of us can easily do. We bear grudges, we can't forgive each other, we hurt one another, we're not always following the words of Jesus. But we can, through prayer, hope to change and do change if we allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. Paul thanks God for the hope stored up for them in heaven. As I've often said in my sermons, we Christians are people of hope. Our hope is in Jesus. We have hope that if we live as followers of Christ, we can change society. We can change ourselves. We can change the world. We have hope that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is spreading and, as it says in scripture, bearing fruit all over the world. We have hope that lives will be transformed by the love of Christ. We have hope for a world of peace. Prayer and hope helps us to grow spiritually, especially as a church. And Paul wanted the Colossians to grow spiritually. 
Therefore, Paul kept on praying for them. We can keep praying for one another. And this is what we do as a church. We pray and we hope. We worship together. This is our community of faith. If you remember Pastor Chuck, he died a little over a year ago. He often said, let us be better than before. He always saw us moving to become better Christians, better people. Do not stop praying. Pray as much as you can and also for our church. So we hope and pray that we will be better than before. John Wesley, the founder of the United Methodist Church, although he didn't know it at the time, he was actually an Anglican priest, but he said these words, we are going on to perfection. But he never said we made it, but it's something we're striving for through prayer and through praying with one another, through reading scripture in the community of faith, we're going on to perfection. I'd like to also share with you today our mission statement. This is written on our KUC constitution and bylaws. Some of you got this when you became members of our church, this little yellow booklet. And it says this, Kobe Union's church is an interdenominational, primarily English-speaking church, serving the love and needs of Christians through worship, fellowship, and nurture, and empowering its members to serve and share Christ among those living in Japan and throughout the world. We also have on it the vision to be a grace-filled and Christ-led church that is welcoming, growing, and sending body of Christian believers in Kobe. Well, this is what they were trying to do when Paul was writing those letters, to go out, bear fruit, witness to others, share the good news. Well, our mission and vision can't be accomplished unless we pray. The mission and vision may be adapted, it might change, we might pivot a little bit as we grow and pray, but we have this mission and vision. And through prayer, we hope we can achieve it. If we want to grow as Christians, if we want as a church to make an impact in our community, we need to grow in our understanding of what God's purpose is for our lives and what our, God's purpose may be for us here at Kobe Union Church. And this comes through prayer. We have been doing corporate prayer, as you know, um, online, and we will continue to do so. And I invite you to find a prayer group or a prayer partner if you haven't already done so. So with ongoing spiritual disciplines, such as prayer, reading the scripture, we will grow spiritually. And we need to be constant in doing this, in searching for God, spending time in prayer, spending time with the scriptures. And through this, we will live a meaningful, purposeful life which will honor God. There was a book called The Purpose Driven Life many years ago. So let us live a purpose driven life through prayer and through hope. Now I would like to show a little clip from that film I talked about earlier in my sermon, uh, War Room. And so I will ask that Madoka put it up on the screen. She needs to get it through YouTube. Okay, this will be a short clip. 
And this is Miss Clara, whom I talked about. You've done about. it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good, and you are mighty, and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world, that will not compromise when under pressure, that will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle, that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. You can see that it was her prayer room, and I'd probably say prayer room rather than war room, but she had all around her room pieces of paper with prayers that she wanted to pray for. It's rather dramatic, and she may use language that I might not use in my prayer, but that's okay, because you use the words that you are comfortable with when you are praying to God. And this film reminds us that we're all standing in the need of prayer, just like the well-known hymn we're going to sing in a moment, standing in the need of prayer. And in this film, she's talking about spiritual warfare and that we need to continue to pray. And Paul was well aware of that as he wrote his letters. In the movie, she had her special room. And if you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, there are these words, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. So that's what she did. She had her special room. So you can have your own special room, or you can pray anytime, anywhere, any place, with just each breath you take. You can pray as you walk out of here, as you go on the train, sitting in the dentist's chair, um, washing your dishes, taking a shower. You can pray everywhere. But you may also like to have a special place that you pray. Some people may like to go out into the garden, and that is where they pray, or have somewhere in their home that they choose to pray. 
just pray. You will know where you are most comfortable praying, but I invite you to pray without ceasing, as Paul reminds us to do. Years ago, we had a church member, and I'm not going to say her name, although some of you would know her, and she's living now in another country, but she had a special prayer place in her home, and she had scriptures all over the wall in this place, and she chose to have it in her bathroom because her part was rather quiet, and she was married. She had someone else there, and so she wanted to have a place that was all her own. She could go in and sit for hours and not be disturbed and look at all the prayers. And she also posted scriptures she wanted to memorize, even on the ceiling. It was her prayer room. It was very beautiful. And she put flowers and all kinds of decorations in it as well. As I said, there's many ways to pray, many styles to pray. There's not a right or wrong way. But as I mentioned earlier, find a prayer partner or a small prayer group. There are opportunities within our church to pray. Last night, down below in Gamblin Hall, Takayo and Ayami, they're over here, getting ready to sing in a moment, um, they gathered downstairs with some other people. I believe there were about 17 last night. And they were praying and singing praises to Jesus. The group is called Praise to Jesus. And they're hoping to make Praise for Jesus a monthly event. It's still just starting. They've, this will be the third time you've had it. First one was in your home, correct? And two, twice at our church. And so if you want to know more about that group, talk to Ayami and Takayo about it after the service, and they'll tell you more. But music is also a form of prayer. We can sing praises to God or hum praises to God. Just remember, we're all in need of prayer. There are many ways to pray, and just continue to pray without ceasing. I'll close now with a prayer adopted and based on Colossians verse 1, 3 to 5, 9 to 11. Let us be in prayer. We thank you, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because we know of the faith in Christ Jesus of this community of Kobe Union Church and of the love they have for God's people their faith and love which springs from the hope stored up for them in heaven and about which they have already heard in the true message of the gospel that came to them. For this reason, since the day we heard about KMC, we have not stopped praying. We continue to ask you to fill Kobe Union Church with the knowledge of your will through all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that they may live lives worthy of you, Lord, and please you in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that they might have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to you, their Father. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.